Hello and welcome to episode 147 of Fergo and the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRP. Joining me once again is the magnificent League Freak. You can find on Twitter at League Freak. How you going there, mate? I'm going good, but I killed my lightsaber build. I killed it. I broke it. Yeah, see, this is the problem. When, you, when you've got a... When you've got a large pointy rod and you apply too much heat to it, there can be mm. problems. Yeah, I found that out. Uh, I basically, I, I, what I'll do, right, is I'll take a picture of the thing I was trying to solder and how small it is. And unfortunately, a little bit of solder got in the right, wrong place. And instead of uh, the board firing up and it making sounds and stuff, I hadn't got the, the blade going yet, but I was pretty close. Instead of all that happening, uh, it just doesn't make a noise and it heats up. <laughs> so it's just dead. It cost me 85 US dollars. And it's, you know, I, I had fun trying to get it to work. So now I've got to go to look at what I'm going to do next with it. But uh, yeah, so the lightsaber build is on hold at the moment. Okay, and that was 85 US dollars. How long ago? It was, when did I buy it? I think it was, what, about... Probably close to two months ago. Okay. So, yeah. So that $85 now is worth about uh, a Sydney house. Yeah, yeah. Um, so if going, anyone's got a house that they don't need and that's in Sydney, if you could sell it and send the funds to League Freak, that way he can get his lightsaber fixed up, that would be awesome. Well... <laughs> What I'm thinking of doing is I'm thinking about going to the government and saying that I need a bailout for this this thing. Because if it's good enough for Peter Volandis to do, why can't I do it, you know? Exactly. Why not? <laughs> plus, it beats lining up at Sandlick. Could you imagine Peter Volandis just lining up at Sandlick with his hand out? Yeah, it's crazy seeing the lineups at Sandlick, though, hey? Like, uh, I must it, admit... The one thing that's been amazing is seeing people using social distancing while in those stupid queues at six in the morning. Yeah, like what a uh, and you know before this podcast we said we weren't going to talk about the coronavirus. I just it's just hard not to feel really super sorry for those people that they're like lining up at six a.m. and as you say they're trying to stand apart from each other and that's why the lines are going around the block to to see so much. Um, just like a switch and it's mass unemployment. We've never seen that in our lifetimes. Our, you know, our grandparents haven't seen that in their lifetimes. And, yeah, incredible, incredible. But we're trying not to talk about this stuff because we know that people, it's the last thing they want to hear. They want to hear a little bit of something different because you get all that news all day anyway. Yeah. Look, it's going to come up today, occasionally. We're not going to harp on it, though. Yeah, yeah. We'll say a bit about it. Um, but today... One of the most popular things we did last year was um, we we did we answered all of the Ask Kenty questions that Kenty was too scared to, to answer or just couldn't be fucked doing himself on his show, NRL 360. Because Fox Sports will put out this thing say, you know, send us your questions for Ask Kenty with the hashtag Ask Kenty. Mm. And, you know, once a week we'll answer them. And he only answers like three of them and then that's it. Yeah, it's and really weird. Like, I they well, get like I'm, 60 or 70 questions. Yeah, and they get, like, some of them are really good. That's the thing that gets me. <laughs> and then the ones they get on, they put on there, it's like, I'm not saying they're bad questions, but 
I don't know. It feels like sometimes you see some of the questions being asked that are really, really good and in-depth and things, and, and they get passed up for, like, what do you think will happen? You know, it's just kind of strange. But uh, imagine if Paul Kent didn't know how many people are asking questions of him. Exactly. Well, I don't think he does. He, I, I wouldn't be shocked if he just didn't. I could see him being the sort of person that's like, yeah, I, I don't ever look at Twitter. I just that doesn't It doesn't do it for me. Well, he's, he has said that everyone on Twitter is an absolute idiot or a Fruit Loop or something in the past. To be fair, right? Is he wrong? I wouldn't say everyone. Because I'm on there. Yeah, that's true. You're probably one of the more chill people. I, I know uh, two or three more people that I could probably put in that category. <laughs> the rest are uh, fucking insane. <laughs> yeah, I love Twitter. I seriously do. Because you get to have the the crazy conversations, the funny stuff, all of that sort of gear, the arguments and whatnot, but you don't have the... Toxic swearing and yelling and abuse hurled at you that Facebook has on it. Yes, yeah, so people, like people seem to be a bit more laid back with their with their abuse and anger on Twitter. Oh, really? See, I this is the funny thing. I don't use Facebook. I don't use it at all, so I don't know what goes on on Facebook. Just like Paul Kent might not know what goes on on Twitter. So I didn't realize that Facebook is more toxic. Is it? No. I, yeah, yeah. Facebook is more toxic in, in my uh, experience. That's crazy. I can't even imagine what that's like. Yeah, I mean, classic example, Clarky. He has yeah. a, a very big following on Facebook, but not a very big one on Twitter. Okay. That, that sort of t- gives you an indication what what Facebook's like. Okay. <laughs> um, so let's let's get into it, shall we? Okay. Ask Kenty. Yes. And I'll try my very best this time around mm-hmm. to say the usernames who have asked the questions. Yeah, we'll try and... Uh, it's hard to pronounce some of them, but uh, we'll do our best, eh? Yeah. So the first one comes from Daniel McCam- McCamley. Mm-hmm. And he said, Should the NRL quarantine all players for a month in the Gladstone camp, test all players and isolate those infected and resume in one month's time? I just don't see... I, I just... I think it's a cool idea in theory, right? And I think that you could plan it out well in theory but i think in practice i don't understand how that kept on having momentum i just i never thought it was a realistic option no and to be honest the that comes from this this idea that the coronavirus um is somewhat you know lack of a better word afraid of of warmer climates yeah thing is they have quite a fair bit of coronavirus in Manila, one of the warmest climates there is. Yeah. Um, and the World Health Organization's website even has on there that, you know, this this virus will go anywhere. The climate is not a factor. So for me, this whole idea of going to Gladstone North Queensland is just pointless. It's not a yeah. way of, You can't I, get I agree. It. And the thing is, too, like, it's a lot of people to move. Like, that's a mass migration, yeah, right? And you put them into a camp, like, what are they supposed to do during the whole week? And then on top of that, just one person has a- even a sniffle, and it's it's all over. Yeah. It just seems like a lot of money to spend. Because if they were ever going to spend money, 
to keep the competition going. It had to be cost effective. So they weren't spending more money than they were actually making by keeping going. And I don't know, it just seemed, it didn't seem realistic to me ever. That's right. And as you said, if one person gets to steal from them, bang, you've got every single player gone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's too risky. Um, D. Watson Hayes says, if the resumption of the competition takes place in 10 weeks, meaning round three takes place in June, and the NRL can play all of its 212 games, including Origin, does the $1.8 billion broadcast deal remain intact despite a delay in scheduling? That's a really good question. I Look, I would guess that no matter what happens, there would be some sort of financial hit on the broadcasting side of things. I think, obviously, they kind of want to keep it going for, for the reason that, like, even if they get a, a big percentage of the broadcasting deal, it's better than getting nothing. But I would guess that once you start getting into that summer period where i mean at some point they just stop counting the um the tv ratings so my guess is that that would be a an issue at some point for say channel nine um you know one thing that hasn't been talked about too much is how devastating this is for for, like fox sports because right now they have nothing to broadcast basically except for their their panel shows and I've seen a lot of people talking about getting rid of their, uh, not only their Fox Sports, but their Foxtel altogether until the footy comes back. Yeah. I, I don't, I think that for all this talk about how devastating it is for all of these other sports and stuff, these sports will start up. I don't know how, what you do with the entire infrastructure of a pay TV network at, that you basically just stops generating money. That to me is, that might be one of the biggest loses out of all of this well i'd be surprised if ko has a single subscriber within a week or two because i mean there's no point in having it if there's no sport on that's all that's all it does yeah and it's at coming at a Fox really bad you. time for them because they've yeah. got all of these deals where it's like no locking contracts to try and get people on board and now everyone's just going to jump out of and they're not going to be on they're going to have to basically start again yeah so it's i'd imagine the Broadcasting deal will remain intact, but this would be one of those cases where, you know, the contract will have a whole heap of different things in there, obviously, Mm. but I don't think it would have a situation where a pandemic shuts down a sport because usually if there's going to be an issue that prevents the game from going ahead, Mm. it's going to be someone's fault. But this is something where no one's at blame, everyone's impacted, and you're like, there's nothing we can do. We can't be assholes either way. Like the broadcasters can't be assholes. So not money's off the table. You know, we'll just go. What do you expect us to do? Yeah, yeah, and um, that's that's the thing. It's like you're not. It's like you're not making money, but we're not making money either. It's like no one in any of these situations is sitting back and going, "Well, we're out, but we're okay." It's like everyone is losing money. Everything has uh, stopped for everyone. Except for Jerry, Jerry Harvey. Oh, yeah, Jerry Harvey, yeah. yeah. He's rolling everyone's in the cash. Everyone's buying bread makers, apparently. Yeah. As, as far as I... I've tangent you quickly. Yeah. If your business is, is selling shitloads of stuff... Yeah. Say you're Jerry Harvey. Yeah. How good a marketing thing do you think it is to come out and say, I fucking love coronavirus, and my sales are going through the roof. Do you reckon that's going to boost your sales? My feeling, you know what I feel like it is? I feel like 
I feel like that some people that are very successful, and you can't argue with how successful he is, they get surrounded at some point by so many people that say yes to them that they don't hear a no, right? They don't yeah. hear a, oh, man, you shouldn't say that. They don't hear anything like that. Um, and so, and I think that that eventually gets you. I think that's what gets a lot of these high-profile people that come out and they say something. And, you know, down the track they might work out that it was the wrong thing to say. But, yeah, I agree. I think it was really uh, a silly thing for him to say. I think he realises it. Um, and, yeah, not just, yeah. I mean, what can you say about something like that? It's just stupid. Yeah, well, I mean, I expect him to say something stupid because he's, I don't know if you've noticed, he started getting gigs appearing as a semi-regular guest on Sky After Dark. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> All bets are off at that point, hey? That, that's always a smart move. Yeah. Um, BMO16 says, are you taking pay cuts, Kenty? You know, that's a really interesting question, right? Because I've I've seen a lot of businesses, and like I'm talking Qantas and all that, and even rugby league clubs, I've seen them say, well, the players are going to stop earning money and the front the front office staff have been told to take their annual leave and the board or the, the chief executive or staff has taken a pay cut. And it's like, hang on, they're only taking a pay cut? They're not losing, like, everything like everyone else? So I wonder how that works. Hey? Like, I mean, if Paul Kent's putting in the work, he deserves the money that he's earning True. on Fox Sports. But it's an interesting question. It's a really interesting question. Yeah, especially when there's people in Fox Sports who are losing their jobs. Yeah, but I, like you can't you you can't throw that at Paul Kent at the same time. I'm feeling really nice tonight, aren't I? I'm being you, really understanding. You, I thought here we are. We've we've thrown a thrown a bone in your backyard here. You can just chew on it ra- you know, ravishly for a while. And you're like, no, I'm just going to look after this bone <laughs> and treat it nice and give it a cuddle. <laughs> you know what it is. You know what it is, right? I've recognised over the last couple of days, and it might be something stupid, that everyone is stressed. Every single person is stressed by what's going on. It's a stress. And it's really easy to overreact to things and take things the wrong way and stuff like that. And I, I, I kind of, I don't think I felt that myself, but I've, I've sort of over the last two days especially, I've been like, you got to give a bit of a leeway to people at the moment. Like, you know, I guess you know that, I, I think that's what it is. You know, it could be. Yeah. Could be something I call TP relief. What's TP relief? You finally managed to buy some toilet paper. Oh, man. Let and life, life is just peaceful all of a sudden. You're like, oh, the world is at one. Everyone just calm down. You've got what, TP relief, mate. I, nah, I, I, I was <laughs> stocked up. I was stocked up like... About two months ago, when this shit was still in fucking China, I was buying toilet paper, all right? I, one thing I will never, ever run out of is toilet paper. They'll find <laughs> me, right? I will be starved. I will be like, they'll be like, man, he's just a skeleton in the corner, wrapped up in all of his toilet paper. <laughs> At least his ass is clean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Matthew Pritchard 6 says... Do you see the game going back to 1908 where players would have to get a normal job and play league on the side? No. No. 
it's really straightforward. I mean, I can understand where... I, I think the thing that people are forgetting is that when everything starts back up again, the NRL will once will be like the TV networks and everything are going to be like quick, get this shit started immediately so we can start generating money again. Like yeah. it's not, you know, I think that's the thing that's been forgotten in a lot of things. Exactly. Um, Maurice Condren said, if the opportunity arises with return of crowds to help generate revenue for fourteen series, I see. He's, he's suggesting a four-team series between New South Wales, Queensland, England, and the Kiwis, and he thinks that this tournament would be a stadium and TV blockbuster. Thoughts? Um, that would just be New South Wales and Queensland. That would just be a normal state of origin series with England and New Zealand losing games to them. Yeah, I would think so too. I mean, the Kiwis, if they they turn, and the problem with the Kiwis is you don't know if they're going to turn up or not. But uh, yeah, and England would get flogged. Yeah, so I'd probably just have State of Origin and then a three test series between New Zealand and England. Yeah, that would be better. Yeah, yeah, that for sure. Work. I think that's the best thing there. Mm-hmm. Um, next one is Wombat underscore 81. The NRL is saying September 1st is the latest they could restart and have a full season. Surely it would be highly likely that many clubs in the NRL itself would have collapsed by that date. I I see a lot of people talk about clubs and, and the comp collapsing. I, yeah. I don't know. Something something about that concept seems silly to me. Yeah. I, I Especially... Well, the first thing is because everything is stopping. It's not like yeah. there's a, a competitor or something that's going or anything. And as we've said, like it's going to be one of the first things that is starting and is going to immediately generate a lot of money straight away. So, you know, how many businesses are right now are able to say, look, if this all is almost done and dusted in September – we know that we're going to be generating like however many millions of dollars it is for the two hour, you know, two hours worth of work that we're putting in. There's not many businesses in the whole world that have that sort of guarantee ahead of them like a lot of professional sports do. So exactly. I think it's 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 a very different scenario than I think a lot of people are seeing. I think for a when we talked about this a little bit, I think for a club to to collapse during this time, it would be because there's a third, a, a, almost a third party issue that they have they've had to deal with, that is yeah. the reason. And as you said before, you know, horrendous management. Yeah, and we, I mean, this is rugby league. The management is fine. Yeah, it'll be good. Oh, I mean, shit. it's full of professionals. It's <laughs> yeah, all going to yeah. go down the gurgler, isn't it? Is it going to oh. get past the week? Yeah, they might already be done. We just don't know it. <laughs> what do you reckon Justin Potato's up to at the moment? Um, how would he be handling this? He'd be sitting in a chair rocking backwards and forwards. <laughs> sucking so. his thumb, holding the teddy bear. <laughs> Called Robbie. Robbie. <laughs> um, Thelonious Brunk 1 said, If I use your column instead of toilet paper, am I at risk of catching COVID-19 or will I just lose the ability to write coherent sentences? It's a really good question. Um... I don't know the answer to that one. 
I suppose it depends on who's touched the paper, I guess, if you're going to get COVID-19. But then again, I, I haven't seen any documentation that suggests that you can get COVID-19 anally. Unless you're <laughs> wiping something else with toilet paper. Listen. And if that's I the think... case, use use it on the other part of your body before you use it on your ass. Just just as a as a general practice. I think you've brought up a really, really interesting point here. Can you catch it anally? I think we need a systematic study on this, okay? Um, and we need to start it as soon as possible. Sure. Uh, maybe that should be <laughs> televised. Or well, streamed at the very least. Put it, put it on a website. I'm sure there's websites out there that would, that would cater to that sort of scientific research. Are there? Where would they be? Hang on, let me Google this. Whoops, not suitable for work. <laughs> um, Jubilee Johnny. Mm-hmm. Um, this question very very neatly ties in with the last response. Okay. Paul, how many times a day are you masturbating now that you are in isolation? That's a really good one. Um, hmm, I'm trying to think of my own levels. You know, there's been no change. Been no change? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, still just like clockwork, five times a day. You know, just just as, to keep just to keep you you know loose. As, as I've said before on the uh, on the Virgo uh, Freak Pod Twitter account, there for all those people who are working from home, the first thing you got to do is watch the porn and get the masturbation out of the way first thing in the morning. Yeah, early on. Yeah, because you want... as soon as you know that you're working from home. The back of your head saying, "Watch porn." Yeah, yeah. And so you just gotta just gotta rub one out at the very start of the morning. And go right now. I can focus on work. Yeah, do, you gotta be professional, don't you? Exactly. I mean, you know, we're we're not fucking around here. You gotta fucking start up your computer, right? Go to your favorite site. You start feeding the geese. Okay, get it out the way. Now we start working. Exactly. Um, you can't have distractions, not in this no. climate. No, no. Oh, well, yeah, exactly. It's a really important time in human history. Uh, bust a nut and then focus on it. Exactly right. Um, Caramel Mad has tweeted, Todd Greenberg for years said he wanted to sell a product, and he said over and over, has this pandemic exposed the incompetence of the people running the game under this stress test? The game hasn't been fun to watch for a few years now. Too much stop start. So this is someone who I dare say is a subscriber to the Daily Telegraph, not just the, not just the publication, but to the views as well. Yeah, I I don't really understand what he's trying to say about Todd Greenberg. I mean, at the end of the day, Todd Greenberg runs a business slash entertainment entity as the boss of the NRL, and I think that it's smart to to know that he re- he recognizes that you know yeah. so uh you know it, it it everything is a product i mean this podcast is a product so i i don't i don't really know what he's trying to get at and as for the game not being entertaining i mean you know i think that the only thing that doesn't make the game entertaining is when you get some teams that are so poorly run to be honest because the best run teams they normally put on really good games and 
I mean, if you're not entertained by rugby league, go and do something else. Like, yeah, seriously, go and do something else. Go watch the snooker. Um, yeah. The fact he says there's too much stop start um, suggests to me that he's only been watching the game for about three or four years. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, just go and watch a, a retro game from the 90s or 80s and how many times a scrum was reset. Well, remember when you and me watched the... There was a grand final from, man, what oh, one? The 50s. The, the 50s. 50s. No, I feel like it 60s. was the 60s. Yeah, I, I was going to say 64 60. or 66. Yeah. And it was it was passages of play in between stoppages. And, it, like, that's – it was a, a great product for its time. And, what like, you can appreciate it for what it was. And there was some great – I mean, I don't think people realise you watch some of them games and you see things that are like, that's – that's vision, that's vision for today. Like, that's a, you know, that player saw something that if you saw it in a game today, you'd be like, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it, back it, then, every, every single set ended with the halfback kicking for touch and then having a scrum. Yeah. Well, you, I mean, even in the early 90s, that was kind of the goal at the end of your set was to find touch from the kick. Yeah. So, and Ricky Stewart was brilliant at it. It was nice. like... You used to, he used to get a, you know, people would clap when the halfback would get it over the sideline because that was yeah. the goal, you know. So interesting. It is. Uh, Paul Mack underscore seventy eight said, "Would Channel Nine accept say four less rounds of club footy if State of Origin was expanded to a best of five series?" Oh, that's a really good question. So I tell you what, if you added in two more Origin games, you might make up for for a, for a few rounds of footy just in viewership and crowd figures and stuff. Yeah, yeah, you might do. Um, and I think because every scenario needs to be on the table, you might even see a case where this, the NRL season is running and the state of origin is parallel to that, And the, but the origin players are just playing origin because the clubs are just trying to make up their money as best as they can. Like I, I can see where in the past clubs would be like, that's ridiculous, we're not doing that. Where now they might say, "Oh, you can make us, you can make up sixty million dollars." Yeah, go do it. <laughs> exactly. It's worth noting that the last time we had a five-match interstate series was in nineteen thirty-five. Who won that? Would that would have been New South Wales? Yeah, New South Wales won that. Yeah, yeah. And why not? And while we're here, New South Wales won the first game thirty-three to sixteen, the second game eighteen fourteen, the third game fifty-one to eight, Queensland won the fourth game twenty-two twenty. And New South Wales won the fifth game, 23-9. You know, the only thing I could see would be a drawback with that is if, say, New South Wales or Queensland won the first three games and then people would be saying, oh, why are we even playing these last two? But they'd still watch it. They would still watch it. Uh, now, Nixon NZ Zara's dad. There you go. Zara's dad. There you go. Nixon okay. and Zara's dad. With all that's going on, do you have half a chub at the moment? Now, I'll say this. Mm-hmm. With all that's going on, I would say that he doesn't have half a chub going on. He's probably got three of them going on. <laughs> there is a weird thing where we've seen moments that some people have reveled in this situation for rugby league and it's kind of weird because it's happening at a time where the entire world is going through something 
pretty rough and uh rugby league is just part of that world and to see the almost like well we said this was going to happen it's been kind of strange i've i've felt yes uh the same person then asked if Flandy's drinks pineapple juice can you taste the difference I feel like we could stop the podcast right now. It's we, all over. That's the best tweet. That's the best one. So we don't need to respond to that. We'll just leave that one there. Yeah. Can't argue with that. Um, SC Gods Be Nice said, if the season resumes in September and goes through until December, would that not put a huge strain on next year's comp also with such a limited amount of time between seasons? See, I, I can see where you're getting that. But I think all you do is just push the following season back one month. Yeah. Be, think... Get get rid of the Knights competition. Don't have any preseason stuff other than a few trials. And that would be it. I think that would be fine. Yeah, I agree. No World Club Challenge as well. Um, uh, yeah, you know, start the comp in, even if you started in April. Um, yeah. I, th- I think that next season and the, the competition, how it would be affected if we have a late competition this year, I think that's the last thing we've got to worry about. Yeah, exactly. Um, We Play League said, if old clubs can't get through this crisis and they fold, will the NRL be a smaller comp over the next couple of years or will new clubs come straight in and replace them? Brisbane, Perth, NZ. Yeah, I think they'd just bring in new clubs immediately. So, So say you get the worst case scenario where let's say three clubs fold. And there's no saving them for whatever reason. I think to maintain the television deal, they would need to have those ga- those clubs replaced. And I think that we would see, I think we'd see a Brisbane team straight away. Yep. And I, I, I think we'd just see them go Perth and Adelaide straight away as well. Definitely Perth. Um, yeah. Still, I still don't know if they go to Adelaide or not. I just think it's too much of an AFL place. But who knows? But yeah, I think at the moment, um, definitely based on this current TV deal, they will want to have 16 teams. See, just, well, where would you put the sex? Like, the way I look at it is if rugby leagues in Rudenough Health that we can overlook two cities with a million plus people in them, well, then that's incredible, you know? And I don't think it's, I mean, it's obviously in Rude Health, but I don't think we should be that arrogant. And the only other place I could think of adding another team where they've got a team is New Zealand. And I, I've, I've long said New Zealand's ready for a team tomorrow. But um, I think with what the Warriors will have to deal with, I think that they deserve to be able to have New Zealand for themselves for a little bit longer. Exactly. I, I hate the fact that it's not talked about, but I would love to see a team in the territory. There's just so many. So many young people in the Northern Territory. Yes, I mean, most of them are Aboriginal, but you go to Alice Springs and the places like that, and I lived there for a while. Yeah. Um, man, they play such an exciting brand of rugby league, and they they will play any sport they can get their hands on. If it's AFL, soccer, rugby league, they don't care, as long as they're playing footy. Yeah. And that's a market that's just waiting to be tapped into. I know it doesn't have a huge population, but... And people will say this all the time. Well, it's only got, you know, a few hundred thousand people there going, you only need 20,000 at a game. Yeah. They've got more and, than that there. Yeah. I, like, I think that what, and I think we talked about Darwin in, in an earlier episode of the podcast. Um, 
I think that would be cool, but I feel as though you need to sort the stadium first. And it's a lot of it's a lot of uh, investment that and they're broke. The Northern Territory um, yeah, government's broke on the stadium thing, though. Yeah, we've currently got Peter Volandis in there who wants everyone to play out of a park. <laughs> yeah, and Leichhardt, Leichhardt Oval, Brookvale, um, Cogra, they're still all used regularly, and the ground they've got there at Darwin is no different to that. Probably marginally better, given that it's not as old. It's a good point. It's isn't it an AFL stadium though. It might be. Just you know, put some seats where the round bits are and make it a rectangle, and then you've got a few extra seats as well. I've often wondered if with stadiums and look, I'm I'm not a civil engineer, Andrew, but uh, I wonder with AFL stadiums like that if you're able to convert them to better for being rugby league by digging down. You know, if you dig down, say, even three metres or so, would that allow you to put seats along the sideline that bank into the field? But I don't know. Yeah, probably could. I mean, there's one thing we do know, even just in the history episodes, is that when it comes to rugby league and, and building stadiums, they know how to build seats at least, and they've been doing it since 1917 or 19... What was it? 1909. I can't remember what it was now. Yeah. My head, but they know how to build seats. We'll yeah, come on. When was that? That was the 19... I think it was 1917 or something. Was it... Man. It's late. <laughs> it's late. <laughs> I've been doing a lot of work recently. My brain's not functioning as it should. That's why we're doing this. Yeah. Um, Andrew underscore 1269 said, Do you think it was the poor refereeing or the expensive costs involved in going to a game that contributed to the lowest crowds for a round two ever? Oh, my God, what a fucking moron. <laughs> it might have been the global pandemic, you dumb fuck. <laughs> I wonder if he's just trolling Kenty and saying, you know, Kenty will always try and find a way to blame the game. You're right, you're right. It very could knows? well be that. It's, that's the problem with Twitter. Sometimes sarcasm doesn't come through very well. That's, that's my true. problem on Twitter anyway. Um, at Subo Dan said, um, yes, I've got a question. Can Kent be shut down? Also, please stop yelling at your wife in public, YouTube. Don't know what that's about. Oh, yeah, what the fuck? Um, I, I don't think Kent can be shut down. No, he's a entity unto his own. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, Thomas58974615. <laughs> Sounds legit. Yeah. Especially if you don't save your password, you, you use the name every time you log into Twitter and you've got to try to remember that bloody code all the time. Um, when will it be time for you so-called journalists to take a pay cut? It's coming. I, I mean, yeah. I guess that they're all taking pay cuts at some point. Yeah. Nothing. But, but I mean, at the same time, does it really matter if you take a pay cut when you've got three gigs? I mean, he writes for the telly, he's on Fox Sports, and he's on a radio station. That's true. I tell you what, three, three people's jobs. You should be asked told to take a job cut. When a journalist loses their job, it's kind of like when you run into a vegan. Everyone <laughs> hears about it. That's true. Um, Voodoo Rock says, "What are you complaining about now?" What? To Kenty, say, "What were you? What were you complaining about oh, now?" Oh, what were you complaining about now? Um. Yeah, that's a really good point. You'll probably complain that there's no footy on. That's, like it'll be it'll it'll be something stupid. It'll be something really stupid. Right. I can't believe we shut the game down just because of the sniffles. 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's just a, it's just the cold. Don't worry about it. That's right. Um, Roy Sunderborg said, "Are you secretly trying to take the game down from the inside?" Yes. Well, you know what? The thing is, they're outsiders. All journalists are outsiders. As much as they like to say they're insiders, they are not. They are not part of it. They're not part of the game. Yeah. Um, Dream Chaser 436 says, I'm a manly tragic. I get the feeling that if all this mess gets too expensive for the Penn family and we can't find someone else with the means to purchase a club, we will be the first club gone. Thoughts? I, you know? I, I think Manly are in a precarious situation compared to the other 15 clubs. Yeah. They're the one for me that I really properly worry about. And it, I can't... I, I'm, it's nothing about the Penn family in particular. Like, they've been unbelievable keeping the club going, but I just feel as though, you know, they're, they're, it's a real bad situation they're in. Um. You know, yeah, and they're the yeah. one though. They they feel like the one, don't they? They do. They're going to have a lot of focus and attention on them um, because of that. So, I I don't think any club's going to shut down, but they're the ones that are going to be close. Yeah, yeah. Um, Slevin K five four seven five five three one eight is asked. And I'm definitely going to let you answer this one first up. Should Greenberg be held responsible for his financial mismanagement of the game with only $70 million in the bank and zero assets and no sources of revenue? Hell, even Uncle Nick's got more cash in the bank than the greatest game of all. SMH. This is wonderful. Okay, first of all, the assets that the game has, that people forget sometimes that the game actually sells hundreds of millions of dollars every year in merchandising. And that's because they've got logos that are actually worth something and team colors and all that sort of stuff. So that's actually something that the game owns. And on top of that, every single time the ARL said, we're going to put a little bit of money away. We're going to put 40 million bucks away. We're going to put 50 million bucks away. We've had a great year. The clubs would scream. We should have that money. We know what to do with it. We're better off because we're at the front line. We're at the cold face. So the club should be fine because they've been putting all this money away, apparently, the ARL's been giving them as extra club grants. The club grant used to be covering just the salary cap usage of each team. And then it was bumped up by uh, John Grant because the clubs were screaming to high hell. So that's why there's no... That's why there's no fund. That's why there's no massive bank balance for the NRL. You know, it's it's basically on the clubs. And a lot of the people that are attacking the clubs over that, they were the same people that were saying, give the clubs the money. And some of them were saying, give us the money because they yep. were running the clubs at the time. You know, the other thing is too, anytime you hear a, a fucking news limited journalist saying that the game's been run really poorly and where's the money, they ran half the game for more than a decade. Why weren't they paying part, part of that money into a fighting fund? It, it really pisses me off. Exactly right. And they would know themselves, News Limited, um, how much it costs for these clubs to run because, I mean, they ran, you know, they were made shareholder for the Broncos and you know, basically owned the Melbourne Storm for a long time too. And mm-hmm. the Melbourne Storm ran under financial loss for many years. Yep. 
yep. despite being the best team in the comp. Um, so, yeah, as you said, a lot of these clubs were quick to stick their hand out and say, give us the money. Um, that's that's why there's no huge cash for, you know, cash in the bank. But then again, $70 million in the bank for a, for a sport in Australia is nothing to be sneezed at. Yeah, it's a whack. You know, bad pun there. But um, <laughs> um, I don't know what assets they think the game should have. Like, the only assets that it could possibly have on a, of a sizable scale are not going to be ones that are going to be of any genuine value when nothing can be done with them. Like, if they owned a football ground, what are you, what are you going to do with it when you can't play games on it because there's a pandemic and everyone's going to stay inside? Yeah, That's not very an asset. Worst, yet the very worst thing you could own right now is a football stadium. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, not an, by it's, a long way. It's not an asset when you can't use it. All it is is a liability, and that yeah. would just cost you more money. Mm-hmm. I don't know what... I think some people have got this impression that the NRL should be like a government or like something on Monopoly, like you should own a waterworks and a gas station and you should own all this stuff and people pay their bills and you get money from it. It doesn't work that way. No, no. And we've talked about this with clubs and they're like when they say, oh, we don't make any money. And like we've said before, in an ideal perfect scenario, if a club has its best financial year ever, it basically should not make a single dollar because every extra dollar that it makes should be poured back into junior rugby league or, you know, trying to expand their footprint or, you know, there's always something you can, you you can always spend that money on to try and expand the game. Mm. And that's basically what the NRL has done. I mean, you've got to remember when the ARL commission come into being and the game found financial independence from news limited, and the old ARL, which was basically nothing, um, they had to start a lot of things from the ground up. They had to restart junior development programs and development offices and, you know, uh, being able to fund local grounds, things for local grounds in areas. And there's so much the ARL and the NRL has had to reestablish since it, the game become independent. That's State where leagues. a lot of money... Yeah, that, well, that's where a lot of money has gone in itself. Exactly. Um, don't mind that. My daughter just kicked the hell out of the wall. <laughs> and she's back to sleep. She's fine. Yeah. Um, um, ben Harlem has said, two-ply or three-ply paper? You know, I tell you what, if I wish... I wish I owned shares in whoever makes that Quilton stuff because that's the stuff that everyone grabs for, hey? And I don't know how many ply that is, but that's the stuff. Like, that's basically what everyone goes for. See, I feel I'm going to go into a very detailed discussion here. You don't want to get too detailed. <laughs> well, sometimes you've got to get deep if you want to get it all out. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. And I'll be honest, I don't mind if it's a bit coarse. Because you know that you, you know that's going to grab a lot more shit than the smooth stuff. You don't want to be sitting there just smearing, you, smearing it all over your backside. I want to get that stuff off in one go. So, yeah, I'll take a bit of sandpaper and just 
rip and tear and bang, she's all done. No, I, I, wonder, I wonder if when they're testing toilet paper, right, because it's got to be an art and a science, I wonder if they if they technically have, like, a grit rating on, like, the sandpaper rating. Like, if they... I don't know what the, the easiest going sandpaper is, what number it is. But I wonder if the... You know how Chile has, like, when you have something yeah. and, like, ha, like uh, habanero sauce will be one thing, but then you've got, on the Scoville scale, you've got stuff that's basically a chemical burn. I wonder <laughs> if the toilet paper is that way, but the other direction. You call it a skid bleed score. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh. Oh, Jesus. That's <laughs> terrible. That's fucking terrible. That'll be going in the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, man. Mid underscore Mac21 says, Oi, Kenty, why'd you cough on me tomatoes at Coles? Why'd he have his tomatoes out, first of all? Well, yeah, you should be putting those things back. Maybe he found toilet paper and couldn't hold it in. Possibly. Um, but yeah, why are you shopping at Coles either? Anyway, Ripper Champ says, if either or both the NRL and Super League get cancelled this year, does the World Club Challenge go ahead next year between both comps champions or not? Well, no, because there's just, no champions. Just, yeah, I think what we'll see is anything they can possibly cancel, they will cancel. And the World Club Challenge, it's like the, as you say, any nines competition, the World Club Challenge. Uh, I, I can't believe they haven't made an announcement on the um, Kangaroo Tour yet. I think all those things will take a back seat to the club competitions and, and origin. Yeah, I guess at the moment they're waiting to see, essentially, if this uh, coronavirus slows down and comes to a halt in, in Australia at least over the next yeah. two to three weeks. Yeah. And if not a stop, at least halts that rapid growth that's been going on. Yeah. Um, and if that does happen, then they might just go back to the table and say, you know, let's go week by week on this, on this suspension. And you know, when the health officials say, you know what, we think we've got it under control now, then they'll go back to playing and they'll determine what will go on with those tours and stuff and all that then. Yeah. Um, so I think that's they're trying to do a, a they're trying to have a bit of both ways. They're making sure they're they're doing the right thing by suspending the comp, but they're not going to put a they're not going to put a time on there as to when they'll talk about getting it back underway again, like the AFL did. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what the the uh, the go point is. Whether it's the government saying coming out and saying because uh, the the first things that'll start up as soon as they possibly can, will be the sports. And it's going to be really interesting to see if that decision comes from the government, if it comes from the federal government, or if it comes from the state governments, or if the sports take it upon themselves to say, all right, we're at a position now, we believe we can start up again. Really going to be interesting because we've never seen this before. So, like, there's no real answer to that yet. Exactly. Uh, Ronnie underscore peace asked, do you think it's fair or humane to any person that has to self-isolate with Josh Maguire? Oh, jeez. <laughs> That's a bit rough. <laughs> you wouldn't want to say, oh, man, i got something in my eye. Can you help me with it? Well, you know he would so be keen to say yes. True. He would be he might, thorough. Yeah, he'd, he'd pull your eye out and say, let me have a look. 
You wouldn't want him going to the other end, though. No, no, not go there anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think we've uh, we've covered that <laughs> thoroughly. Yeah. Um, Dirk Verveek asked, "Hi Paul, given that Rupert Murdoch destroyed rugby league with Super League, well, he tried. He didn't destroy he didn't it. Tried, yeah. Isn't it only reasonable to expect that the old prick will put his hand into his skyrocket to help keep the NRL alive? Let's be honest, he has been paying a fair bit of money to the NRL for a fair few years with Fox Sports. Yeah, that's true. Um, look, it's, man, Fox Sports is in in more trouble than rugby league is." Um, and it's crazy to think how many different things are. Does actually does does he still own Fox Sports? I believe so, but I don't think he owns the sister company in England anymore, which was Sky Sports. Okay, yeah, yeah. I think he sold that one off. Okay, yeah, because uh, man, I I think what I think. Fox, you could see Fox Sports making sure the that the their main sports, the ones that they make money off of, are financially ready to rock and roll as soon as possible. But at the same time, man, they're I mean they're going to be paddling upstream them, themselves. So how much can they really do? Yeah. Um, Two zero three five has asked. What will you find to complain about this week now that the game you hate so much has been cancelled? <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, rugby League still exists, even though it's not on. Exactly. Still wins about it. Um, Southern823 asks, would the NRL look to force a merge between Sydney clubs or keep Sydney clubs as they are and risk losing fans if clubs die? I, I, think, I think the NRL has learnt that mergers aren't always best for business yeah um it took it took west tigers a long time to build their own fan base as the west tigers mm-hmm. and there's still a lot of division within the club and it's hard to say whether it's generated more fans than what Balmain and west would have had if that had been separate and still existed today and that's something that i think they that is costing the back of their minds going forward yeah, I, f- I mean, I feel as though the Dragons won, and there's probably Illawarra fans that don't feel this way, but I feel like the Dragons one is probably gone as smoothly as you could expect them to, and even then they've had some issues. I think, say, a if a club... So, say, for instance, we've talked about the Seagulls. I think if the Seagulls folded and, and or they handed back their licence is probably how it would work. I think if the NRL was interested in keeping a team on the north shore of Sydney, they would just take that licence over and restart them again. But if they decided that, look, this is a free licence out of Sydney we can use, I could see them making the Manly Seagulls in, in Brisbane, like, say, in the Brisbane Seagulls or whatever. Um, I could well, also... Just win, just win a Manly. Yeah, yeah, just saying to them, like, take this take this over, you know, and and almost uh, trade on the history of the Manly Seagulls. Um, Say it was someone like, and I'll use my club, Penrith. Say Penrith folded and the NRL didn't want a team in Penrith, which I think they would. Uh, I could see them saying, we've got this licence, let's chuck it in Perth. Well, let's chuck it in Adelaide. You know, and because it's such a weird time and it's um, there'll be so many things in our lives that will change like that, 
I think it'd be like tearing the band-aid off quickly sort of thing. Yeah. Um, Ankle Tapped asked, what'll happen first? Dragons sack Mary or dragons go bankrupt? Dragons go bankrupt. Yeah. Mary's not getting sacked. No, not at all. He's the safest man in, in rugby league. Yeah, I mean, you look at the season that we simulated in the last episode. Just the bounce of the ball really went against them. Yeah, God, they were they were so unlucky. They were super unlucky. Um, Qwerty, 58559205, has <laughs> asked, the rugby league community is renowned for supporting each other. Is there a way we can support the families of players, their support staff and TV crew whilst they go into isolation? I... I, I, I sense a, a very good notion there, but I'm pretty mm. sure that financially they're, they're quite well off. Yeah, I, and I've said this on Twitter, like the person that needs your money right now is you. And it's nice to be thinking about, you know, the players and, and people like that, but they're all part of a very big industry and they they make a decent amount of money doing what they're doing. And, and yeah, just... The, the thing, the way to save the world right now is to save your little part of the world. Yeah. Um, Kenny Bania underscore says, in light of what you said last week, I don't know what it was because I haven't watched it. Yeah. Do you think you're entitled to be paid now that the competition has been suspended, Paul? Or does that only apply to the players that actually produce the product? Well, to be fair, Paul Kent's producing a product for his employer right now. But, and like, it's obvious if the games aren't being played, I mean, the the players' salaries, the players' income is going to be affected by that. There's just no way around that. And the, look, the players' association's been really open about that, and um, you know, because they've got no other choice. Everyone's losing money. Everyone's not getting paid. You know, you can't pay someone with money that isn't there. Exactly right. Um, what will happen to the broadcasters next? When do you run out of scenarios to talk about? And that was by Guy in Suit Seventy Four. <laughs> it's a really good question. I, yeah. I wonder what they're going to do. What are they doing a month and a half from now? What are they talking about? They will create content to talk about. Yeah, they're just going to end up... I mean, they talk about what they talk about themselves now. Mm. It's so, just got to be a circle cycle of that. Classic example. Uh, last year, we had a situation where there was not much to talk about because the game was going along pretty well. What is that noise? Yeah, what is that noise? Are the aliens coming for you? No, no, someone's someone's got a uh, alarm accidentally set on the wrong time. Ah, oh. <laughs> do you want to go and get it? No, we're just going to have a musical interlude in the background. Yeah, that would be nice. It's very... <laughs> That's just lovely. Let's just listen up for a second. There you go. Oh, um, okay. So, yeah, as we saw last year, when, when the broadcasters didn't find they had too much content to talk about, mm-hmm. they would then just harp on the referees. Yeah. And they'd attack the referees. Then they'd find something else to talk about until they, you know, until they find that story dry. And then they come back around and go to something else. And they, they'll always find something to move on to to attack. That's the way they work. And they always try and make it so that it doesn't matter which way, you know, the NRL goes on a topic. Mm-hmm they're able to bitch and moan either side of it. And the referees is a good one. Because I'll sit there and say, 
you know, classic one is referees are crap. We need to bring in the ref's challenge. Mm-hmm. So the ref's challenge comes in, and it's every time a referee's challenge is upheld and the ref is found to be wrong, mm-hmm. bang, you can attack the referee because he was wrong and not and say, you know, how right we were about the captain's challenge. Yeah. But they won't sit there and, you know, and keep supporting it when the captain's challenge has proven to be a complete waste of time, which it has been so far. Yeah. Um, and so it's everything is about arguing and complaining to create a change, which they can then complain about as well. They don't want solutions. They just want something to complain about. Yeah, and do you remember last year, and I can't remember exactly who it was, but I know Laurie Daly was involved where there was a cycle of like, there was a journalist said something and then Laurie Daly said something about that and then the, another journalist said something about what Laurie Daly said about this other journalist. And the whole media cycle was created about this and it was like, this, they just made this. It was created out of nothing. This isn't talking about the game. They're talking about everything, what they're talking about amongst themselves. It was kind of weird. Like, there was a lot of articles like, um, you know, journalists' response to other journalists. It's like, who cares? Well, I've got to take umbrage of that. Mm. Because I, I wrote an article along those lines last year. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. And it was... um. League Freak backs calls for Cowboys and Paul Green to go their separate ways. Yeah. And the opening paragraph was, uh, Rugby League expert and podcaster League Freak has backed Andrew Ferguson's agreements with Laurie Daly regarding North Queensland coach Paul Green <laughs> that suggests that he should leave the club that he won a premiership with back in 2015. <laughs> because Andrew Webster suggested recently that Green needs a new challenge and a change would benefit both parties. Yeah, there we go. We added to that cycle. That's right, as a piss take. We were very <laughs> proud of ourselves, too. <laughs> oh. that, that took some work, that opening paragraph and a half. Yeah, yeah. But that, and that's what it was like for a while. It was so weird. Yeah. It was stupid. Yeah. But that's what they do. Um, what was another one that was a good example? Oh, yeah. When they were complaining about the, the rest crackdown in, what was it, 2018? Mm-hmm. And how they're cracking down on the ruck and trying to get that cleaned up and get the wrestle out of there. And this is they're going, yeah. oh, there's too many penalties that's killing the game and blah, 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 blah. And as soon as they changed it back to what they wanted, they yeah. then complained, oh, but that wasn't a, you know, that was a penalty back five weeks ago when they were doing the crackdown. Why isn't it a penalty now? Yeah. It, it was just crazy. what they do. Yeah, yeah, you can't, you can't argue both sides. But and that's, that's, just, that's what they want to do and that's what they do do. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really weird. Um, Rubbery65 says, uh, says, what's going on with Magic Round and officially cancelling so that the punters can get their money back on tickets? Um, I dare say you'll find out about that in the next week or so. Pretty soon, yeah. I, I've heard a lot of people talking about um, this sort of thing in that they can't, and and that's, there was ones for, uh, it was Magic Round, but there was another thing where until it is officially cancelled, you, you can't get your refunds from like flights and accommodation and things like that. And yeah, but I, I, I agree with you. That'll all be sorted pretty soon. I reckon. Yeah. Um, Cal L 4052 says, do you think it's possible if state borders are still closed, that they have all the New South Wales teams play each other once, same with the Queensland teams and catch up games with Warriors and Storms at later dates, or at least come some of the New South Wales and Queensland clubs going. That's a really good idea, actually, hey? 
Yeah. Yeah. You, could, I, you wouldn't have to just play them once. I mean, with the Sydney ones, you could play them a few times. Yeah. But just like if you can't get through the borders at the moment, and look, I think that if the NRL got to that point of playing games again, but we're still on that sort of lockdown, I think that they'd be able to negotiate to to have flights so that they could play games to other places. But, yeah, it's a really good idea. I, I th- tend to think when we start up, though, it'll be starting up everything again. I don't think it'll be piece by piece, apart from Origin. And I've said this the whole time, I wouldn't be shocked if we played State of Origin um, and it was just standalone in the middle of nothing going on. Yeah, I I think at the moment that's what the NRL's focused on, is not the NRL season, but the crown and the jewel is Origin. Yeah. And I think they're focused on how do we make sure we still get Origin out there. It's just, it's the easiest way to make the most possible money. It's not going to make the same amount of money as the overall NRL, but it is millions and millions and millions of dollars that they can make by putting on three games. Yeah, yeah, quick hit. Yeah. Um, ben underscore Blyton asks, what do these pay cuts to players mean for players currently in long-term contracts? Will they still be able to claim the big money they're currently on in the future? The answer is pretty much yes, I believe, because don't yeah. the clubs receive all the money for the salary cap from the TV rights deal? Yeah, yeah, they yeah. do. And so, and they, and I mean, if we say we have a full season next year, even if it starts later, the players will get their full their full yeah. whack. And it was set up that way so that the players would always get paid. Yeah. So if a club yeah. goes broke, the players' salaries are still assured and they're still paid. Yep. The, so. And the NRL, that, I think they started doing that. It's a long time ago, actually. I think it might have been in two thousand when the Auckland Warriors went broke. And the NRL basically stepped into that situation and made sure the club continued as the New Zealand Warriors. And I think while that was all going on, there was almost a line in the sand moment where um, the NRL basically said, yeah, we're we're never going to allow um, players to not get paid because a club went broke. And and I think that's when it it sort of ticked over. Yeah. Uh, Football fan 3434 asked, do you think a private owner for the NRL is needed for the cop to survive? No. No, no, not at all. Um, Three Little Birds underscore says, Kenty, since 1908, has there ever been a single season without a premiership or grand final at all? First of all, Kenty is not an historian. He pretends to be at times, but he isn't. Mm. I do recall a time last year where he tried to be a historian and... He bastardised a story he was recalling and semi-smeared the reputation of someone at the time. Um, so I wouldn't be asking him questions about the history of the game. Um, no season has ever been cancelled since 1908. There have been seasons where we didn't have a premiership decider or a grand final, and that was because yeah. the system in place was first past the post, which meant if you were the minor premier and you had more competition points than any other team, then you were automatically declared the Premier. Yeah. If you had the same competition points as a team that's in second, third, fourth, then a final system would be played. And that was in place from uh, 1910 to 1920, uh, again in 1924, 1925, um, and I think only once or twice after that in mm-hmm. the 30s, I think. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, the, 
that that's been the only reason why. And sometimes they only did the first past the post because there were tours that were going to be on. Yep. And that meant that the season had to be cut short a bit so that they could get everyone on the ship. And it took a long time to get people over to England, obviously, back then. Yeah. Um, and obviously, as the competition got into the 20s, they had a second competition called the City Cup, which was kind of like what England's got with the um, Challenge Cup. Yeah. And it became quite, quite popular, like almost as, as popular as the actual premiership season. Mm-hmm. So... They started making time and allowances for that as well, which is why sometimes the season's also got a bit shorter. Mm-hmm. Um, but there you go. You that's why it's out. cool. That's why it's so cool to have a rugby league historian on this podcast. <laughs> and you can find out the details of every season on my site, rugbyleagueproject.org. Go check it yeah. out. Yeah. And I, you know <laughs> what? We did a, uh, I'm sure we did an episode that we talked about the, the Sydney Cup. Was it ep- yeah, yeah, the Sydney Cup. Oh, maybe it was one we didn't record and we, yeah. we I talked about three that one. And a half hours. Yeah. <laughs> oh, hang on. You all good? <laughs> okay. <laughs> you all good? Sorry. Child almost fell off the bed. Ah, oh, okay. She woke Ross. up unhermed and went back to sleep. Oh, that's good. <laughs> they built them tough. Yeah. Um... So, what's the next one here? 13 underscore Tim H says, They say we can't have a comp without Manly, but why is no one talking about the possible reinstatement of the Bears if Manly can't pay the bills? What? <laughs> well, this, I think his suggestion is, let Manly fold and bring back North Sydney. So, the idea is that Manly has a team right now that is in the NRL right now. Mm-hmm. And if they get to a point where they don't have money, we would be better off allowing a team that doesn't have an NRL club right now and also won't have money into the NRL to replace Manly. Yeah, that's the solution. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. That's... Nailed it. <laughs> fucking ridiculous. Um, Blood Oggie said... Giving footy clubs money is like giving sailors a per DM before they step ashore. <laughs> it's so right. It's so right. Oh, jeez. That's a great comment. <laughs> That's the second best comment. <laughs> I thought it put on there. Um, Allison, 51260423. Got a few of these. Yeah. Families out there living on 60 to 80 grand a year. Sports people get way too much money for a few hours' work per week. Oh. Oh. That deserves to be picked apart. Yeah. But um, I'll just say, Alison, you are clueless. Yeah. It's. I never understood that mindset, hey? I, like, if, like, if any of us had a job that all of a sudden for whatever reason, a bunch of people took a massive interest in and it saw our salary far exceed what we were normally earning doing that. Would Should we apologise for that? I don't know. I, no. I, I've just never got that. But I'll put this to you, okay? So anyone out there who, who thinks that she's made a fair point there, you go and do their job and do it as well as they do. Yeah. And you do it for as long as they do. And you go through what they put their bodies through. 
and you come back and say, yeah, they they should only be on 60, 80 grand a year just like the rest of us. Yeah. Just no, a... because a lot of these guys are foregoing, um, mind just their own choice, but they're foregoing a education or, you know, going to uni, stuff like that, to getting a, a proper degree, um, especially in the past. So when their 10, if they're lucky, 15-year career is over, they need to have earned most of their income for their entire working history yeah. in that 10 to 15-year period. Yeah, and there's the other thing of like, and I, I've brought this one up a few times in the last few days. If you run a cupcake store right now, like there's plenty of people that would be like, how do you make money out of cupcakes? It's all very, I don't know, a little bit judgmental. And I don't know, I feel like when people ask this question and have this sort of mindset, there's the same sort of people that will, you know, key a Tesla when it's parked in Penrith Plaza. I just, I don't get it. I like people having nice things. Yeah, I don't know. People are just a bit... I think I think comments like that come down purely to jealousy. Mm-hmm. Or envy. That's about it. Um, Matty Hypebeast said, Surely the most efficient way to manage salaries is to use the NBA-style capped contract for players, apply that to non-playing employees and cap the quantities... And we always seem to have one only max contract player then cap the payment tiers. That must that's, work. That's not how the NBA works, though. <clears throat> the problem with this, though, is that the NBA obviously has a lot more money and the squad sizes are a lot smaller. It, exactly. But, the, like, the way that the NBA works, like, you can fit as many, like, maximum contracts in an NBA club as you want. Mm-hmm. It, it and it doesn't mean you're going to have a good team, but you can do that if you want. And then you've, the NBA salary cap has a mechanism where if you sign uh, players that are over the salary cap, then you pay a tax on every dollar you're over the cap with. So, I mean, if you're an NBA club, theoretically, you could you could basically double what everyone else is spending on the salary cap, but you would be paying like $400 million in cap tax or something like that. I, I think that they probably misunderstand the way the NBA salary cap works and the way that maximum and minimum contracts in the NBA work as well. Yeah, it's a completely different thing. And I think yeah. the, the way the NRL has set up their salary cap is pretty good considering the number of players that have got to be fit into it. Um, yeah, and, and huh. like... I can't Sorry, find can't. too much. I can't find too much to pick at it about. <laughs> no, the only thing I would say is, and I, I think I used to write about this on my site a number of years ago before the NRL cap went up, and I used to say when the NRL cap goes up, I expect there to be um, extremely highly paid players, and then a lot of sort of lower salary players. Um, I didn't think that I, I feel as though it's inefficient to use that middle ground. Um, so for instance, you know, if you've got, you're better off having say three, like two or three superstars on a million dollars, and then your next tier of salaries be around four to $500,000 because in between there, I, I feel as though you're not getting the most out of the salary that you're spending. So you look at someone like a Clint Gutherson, right? Who was, who got a big whack of money. 
I feel as though it's, that's an inefficient use of salary under the salary cap when you could get a player that was on, say, four to $500,000 that generously is only doing, that is able to do, say, 80 to 85% of what Gutherson is doing, but it's an efficient use of your salary if you get that player. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and I think we're seeing a lot of that, that sort of movement start to come into the NBA as well. You say, you don't see too many players. You'll see players that are on $30 million. You don't see too many guys that are on 15 to $18 million because those salaries, first of all, they're hard to move, but they're just an inefficient UC salary cap. Bingo. I got very, very technical then, didn't I? <laughs> Absolutely nailed it, mate. Thank you. Um, Deadly Headley said, if the CEOs took a decent pay cut, then maybe the lower paid players and other staff may be able to keep their jobs. No, because no. the CEOs are paid from a different a different puddle of money, so to speak. You've got one pool of money which comes from the broadcasting deal which pays the players. There's another bunch of money which is for everybody else, staff and coaches and all sort of thing. Yeah, and it's kind of missing the point that nobody's going to be earning money pretty soon. Exactly. Like there's there's no money to, there's no money being made and nobody's going to be able to get paid. So it's yeah. Um, Bilby361 said, Am I right in saying we're bound to play a pressure on inflated salaries due to the threat of losing players to union? Player managers are to blame also. Union's not making money. No one's making money. No, but I think he's saying in the past, um, talking about, you know, inflated players' salaries in past years, that the reason why a lot of players are getting paid more is because there was a threat of players switching coast to rugby union. You know, that was around the time we had Carmichael Hunt, um, Israel Folau, Sonny Bill Williams, Matt Rogers, and, you know, many others who had all switched codes and gone over to rugby union. And I think the idea, what they're getting at there is that we increase the salary cap significantly so we can start paying players a lot more so that they would not be tempted to take the rugby union money. Yeah. Um, I think that's that's fairly accurate what they're getting at there. But at the same time, if the club's, if the game's got the money to pay that and clubs are willing to pay it and it works, then so be it. Yeah, and, and that's what Rugby League began for because players saw that money was being generated and they could basically should have been getting a cut of that money and they weren't. And so they started Rugby League so that they would be getting some of the money they were generating and the NRL is generating this money and the players deserve it. Yeah. Uh, Tweeting Steve says, can removing Paul Crawley be a part of the new business model? <laughs> Jesus Christ, yes. <laughs> yes, I'm sure we can do this. <laughs> Although I feel as though Paul Crawley is. He, he's the uh, the Paul McGregor of Fox Sports. He ain't going nowhere. You can't stop him. Mm. It's he's kind right. of I kind of admire it. He's um that's the only admirable thing he's got going for him. Yeah. Because Paul Crawley on there, listening to him is like, uh, it's, it's, 
It's like, like using it's eight, like having a drill go through your brain. It's like using eight hundred grit toilet paper. <laughs> Wiping your brow with it. <laughs> oh man. And he's just constantly looking around at his peers. Did I do the right thing, boss? Did I? Did I? Such a bonehead. Um Anthony zero eight three eight seven one seven eight said, "Is the current structure of NRL Commission and its stakeholders appropriate for this crisis? I.e., everyone fighting for their own survival. I don't know that everyone in the Commission is fighting for their own survival. I've actually been really, really impressed with the way that everybody's sort of singing from the same sheet. You know, it's I've yet to really see any faction of the game stand out and say." no, this isn't right and we deserve this, this, this. So every single level of the game has sort of understood that this is an extraordinary circumstance and that the uh, there's not going to be a solution for something that can't be solved at the moment. And I've been really impressed by it. It's one of the few times I think we've seen the game pull together and have a, a single sort of um, focus like this. What do you think about that? Have you? Do you remember too many times where we've seen this sort of thing? No, it has actually made me wonder. Um, do we have too many levels of government? I guess within the NRL, if the ARLC and the NRL are constantly on the same page and agreements all the time, mm-hmm. then surely we don't need one. Like we've got to cut one of one or two, one of the two out. If the ARLC is in grace with the NRL, then why have the ARLC? Or why can't the ARLC just run the game? Why have the NRL have a governing body? Why not just have the ARLC do it? I can't see why we need to have both both parties if they're always in agreement and they're all working in the same direction. Yeah, I know what you mean. I See, I feel as though the ARLC is so close to the NRL anyway that it, they almost work hand in hand. Um. And I think that the NRL, because we've, and, and I think we should completely not have a New South Wales Rugby League and a Queensland Rugby League and all these things, I think the NRL should run all of it. And that if we're going to have those things, they really should be, you know, offices of the NRL, basically. And I think that's what they've tried to do. Um, uh, you know, I, I think that I don't have a problem with their the governance of the game at the moment. I don't think there's... I think it's very easy to to have a corporate culture that comes in where you've got, like, people that you don't need to have there. And I think that a lot of that will be... That fat will be cut because of this this uh, shutdown that we're all having. Um, you know, the area, I think, that in life in general that we're seeing you don't need is councils, local councils, I think that when shit hits the fan, we've gone federal government, state government, who gives a shit what a mayor thinks. And I think that this has shown you don't need local government. Exactly right. Um, Stumpy the Rogue says, Kenty, can you advise who does Ben's hair so I can avoid? <laughs> well, as of now, no one. Maybe Kenty, maybe yeah. um, Benny does it himself. Well, he has half an hour to get his hair done, and it was funny when they when they brought in the new things and um, the the prime minister was like, "You can kind of get your hair cut for half an hour." And all the females on my timeline on Twitter were like, "He's never seen a female get a haircut." 
Exactly. <laughs> um, Healable Tangent says, what happens with the contracts that expire on October 31? They cease to be. Yeah, that's the end of them, I guess, yeah. I'm assuming he's asking in relation to um, if the season goes beyond October 31. Um, again, if if those players want to keep playing or if the clubs want to keep them on, they need to get them on a contract. Yeah, and I think that there would be, because it's a, a kind of will be a one-off, I think you would see the Players Association sit down with their members and say, look, this is what's been put to us that, the 2020 contract will run through to say December 1st and they'd all sign off on that. And, you know, I think they'd sort that out really quickly to be honest, because it's, it'd be a way for them to get their money for this year. No, that's exactly right. Um, the next one, where it go? There it is. C Eagles 12 says, do we know how rugby league dealt with the aftermath of the Spanish flu back in 1918. How did that change the competition? Simple answer. Go check out our recent episode about the Spanish flu. Yeah, that was it was a great episode. Uh, you did a tremendous job filling us in on how that happened. And yeah, it was a really good one. So check that one out. Thorough too, as, I, as always. Yeah, um, number, one, number one historian in rugby league, Andrew Ferguson. Number two in rugby league podcasts behind Tony Collins. <laughs> we love Tony go. Collins. So we got we should get Tony on soon. I saw he I saw somebody posted a episode that he did about uh, a smallpox outbreak that happened in the UK, and mm-hmm. it was earlier than the uh, Spanish flu. Yes. And uh, I haven't I haven't yet listened to it, but I saw someone post it. I thought, wow, that's one to to listen to as well. Exactly. Um, strong words by Richardson in which I agree for the most part but surely he suffered from memory loss when he said no one helped out South Sydney the Bulldogs were there for a strong part um, I had a few people have said mentioned this thing about Shane Richardson Shane Richardson does have a bit of a short memory at times yeah definitely and look from my memory of it uh there's a reason South got back into the comp because they had a lot of sport and it wasn't just South's fans. It was a lot of people across the game. I'm not saying that it, their success in coming back into the competition belonged to anyone other than South Sydney, but the, like if they didn't have support, they wouldn't be in the competition right now. Rich Cranium, NRL. I know him. Yeah. I think you know what he's tweeted as well. <laughs> Hashtag Ask Kenty. When you self-fornicate, does it last longer than your first grade career? <laughs> what was it? Was it? Th- I always say four minutes. Was it four minutes? I don't think he was on the field that long. Okay. Four minutes is all I'd need, hey? I think you might have only had one or two minutes. I yeah. said in a... I said in my my regular spot on the Full Credit to the Boys podcast. If you haven't heard yeah. that one, then you're you're missing out, and you'd be one of the very few in rugby league world. Um, <laughs> that what was it? Paul Kent's played more minutes of football than Mitch Moses has had wins over the Cowboys or something like that. It was you know, <laughs> Kent's ahead one nil? <laughs> yeah, that one went down well. It was a good couple of minutes, though. You know what? If you've put in a good couple of minutes. 
That's all you need, really. Right? He played it. He played enough time to get his own profile page on Rugby League Project. Exactly. How many? How many players and how many people that love the game could say that that they've got exactly their own right. page on Rugby League Project? Yeah, I'm not on there. Not as a player, anyway. There was yeah. Ferguson on there as a referee, but it wasn't me. <laughs> I, it makes me wonder: should you start up a profile page for podcasters? You know what? If I had a podcasting website like, say, Rugby League Podcasting Network or something like that, that'd be a great thing to add to that website. You mean Rugby League Podcasting Network dot com? Yeah, that'd be a great one to have. Does anyone have that? I believe somebody does, Andrew. Who would that be? Ah, that would be me. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I years ago I had. Part, and it's still on my page somewhere. Um, when I used to go on an English rugby league forum and I made a page of known rugby league trolls on that forum. And it was good fun. It was a lot of fun putting that together. And the, I know the trolls that were on that for, that page, um, they really enjoyed it. They had a lot of them contact me and say, oh, that's cool, but add this part. And so I did that a lot of the time. And I think I put myself on there too. Um, so yeah, it was good fun. Maybe, yeah, maybe we should do something like that. That's a good idea. That is a good idea. Um, the last one we'll read out tonight comes from Kelly Jane and she says, the game needs to be run by business people and stop footballers in their management. Um, we did have a businessman running the game and a lot of people hated him because he didn't know like rugby league stuff because you know apparently that's part of the role running a business as you know about rugby league yeah kelly jane she's been a long time follower of mine on twitter so hello kelly jane but um the funny thing was that when a businessman was leading the nrl he was run out of the job by footballers (laughs) yeah and he was he, he was doing a lot of great stuff yeah he really was he especially given who he replaced yeah and I, I think that I think there's still a legacy in what he was trying to achieve that we see in the NRL today. Um, I, I do think that he did bring in a corporate environment that you can have a little bit too much fat in your organisation. But outside of that, I think that there were some tremendous things that he brought in that the game still gets some tremendous value out of. And, um, it, it was a real shame that he wasn't around for a little bit longer. Yeah, I mean, he created a genuine business structure within the within the competition that it had been sorely lacking. Yeah, um, and it makes it allows the game to actually pretty much run itself without too much fiddling from from certain people. So that, that's that's a good thing. Yeah, I think he was a he was a true step in getting some independence it would be really interesting to um to talk to him i wonder if he would talk to us on the podcast or if i mean he there's he really stepped into a a spotlight i wonder if he's like man uh no thank you <laughs> yeah to be honest you don't hear anything about him anymore do you no you know who he reminds me of um and his name escapes me right now remember the Kiwi bloke that ran the NRL David for Mo- a little while. Moffat? Moffat, David Moffat, that's it. Um, I 
I heard a little bit from him in, I can't remember if it was last year or the year before, but he stayed right out of, his, out of the spotlight as well, which I thought was interesting. But I totally get it. Like, it's a meat grinder of just bullshit that you get from the media when you're the NRL CEO. And um, I can understand just wanting nothing to do with it once you've left the job. Yeah. Yeah, that's been a pretty thorough episode of Ask Kenty. Yeah, yeah, really enjoyed it. Um, I'm going to throw a question at you. Oh, okay. Have we had any emails? No, I <laughs> checked it earlier. <laughs> oh, oh, people, we asked you the other day, you know, what should we do for our 150th episode? What should we do for our one-year anniversary? Mm. You're all at home doing nothing but listening to this. Come on. You lazy bastards. Um, you know what would be cool? And we really need it to happen is for anybody that's listening to this right now. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a review on Apple. Um, give us a nice review. We'll read, we read all our reviews out um, and leave a five star rating. It really, really, really does help the podcast when you do that. It helps us with um, getting up in different lists and things like that. So if you want to do something for the podcast, that's the best thing you can do. Um, we get so many people retweeting the podcast when we put it up. We never, ever take that for granted. We love everybody that does that. Um, so thank you when you do that. But, yeah, any if you can leave a review and ask your friends, say, like, oh, give me your phone and get their phone, um, look through all their pictures first, obviously. Hey, what else? Get their phone banking details. Yeah, phone banking, um, uh, buy some stuff with their PayPal accounts and shit like that. Yeah, I mean, Free, Freaky needs a new board for his uh, for his rod. <laughs> it's a lightsaber, Andrew. How dare you? My rod is fine. My rods are working great. Five <laughs> times a day. Um, but, yeah, that's what we need. We need reviews and and five-star ratings. So if you could do that, we would love that. Absolutely, and you know we'll even not only will we read it out, we'll put it up on our website as well for the podcast. Yeah, yeah, we put all of them up. I think I've got to add a, a couple more, um, so I'll do that in the next week or so. But yeah, we put all of them at the bottom of the uh, pod, the pages on the podcast. So yeah. Now something else that we did chat about. Yeah. That was that was off air that we we we're going to have to bring up. Yeah. That is an intern. Yeah, should we talk about that now? It's Why not? Probably, yeah, it's probably all right to talk about now. So basically, where we're at with the podcast, we've got really, really good numbers. And me and Andrew have a couple of different skill sets between us. But the skill set we don't have is that we just don't know how to go about getting sponsors on board. We're very keen to get sponsors and advertisers on board. And we understand what time it is right now in the world. But we're, we're looking for somebody to come on board and to organise the advertising side of the podcast. We're at that point that we can start looking at that now. Now, we're doing we're thinking about this now, knowing that it's a down-the-track thing. Um, any, so anybody that's out there that's maybe in that side of advertising or, you know, through social media and things like that, if that's your job, we would love for you to get in touch with us. So if you can uh, contact us either through Twitter or through podcast at leaguefreak.com and get in touch with us, 
this wouldn't be unpaid. Like this would be something that we would pay you to do. So, and this is a really a big step for us here at the podcast because we really do. We've got an audience now that's it's ready to take that next step, but we need to bring somebody on board to do that um, on our behalf. So if, if that's you and you've got that ability, you've got that background uh, and you want to do it, get in touch with us and, and just, you know, we'll talk to you. We'll um, talk to you on Skype and things like that, and we'll sort that out. But, yeah, it's an exciting time for the podcast that we're kind of at that level, hey? Absolutely it is. That, that's, how, that's how phenomenal we are. Yeah, I reckon. Um, <laughs> and one, of, one of the first roles you'll have in that role is trying to get a porto on board. I reckon, hey. Because um, you know, we've done so much work for, the, for a porto. Yeah, and we love a porto. All we'd be doing is getting money to give it back to them. <laughs> That's all right. If a porto plays their cards right, they'd just give us gift vouchers instead of giving us cash. Yeah, and like if go, I just... Same if thing I just, for us. If I just saved the money that I spent on a porto, man, I, I, we could, I could pay you, I could pay me, <laughs> and it'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> this is so true. Yeah, and what we're oh. basically looking at doing is doing like a... A, a live um, a live advertisement probably at the start uh, and at the end at the very least and we're look we're open to opportunities we don't want to do the sort of things that are jarring in a podcast where it's like we're talking about you know we're talking about some really in-depth subject and then all of a sudden we stop everything and punch you in the face with an advert. We kind of want to do it um, at the start and end where it's a little bit less offensive. But, um, but yeah, we're, we're at that point with the podcast now. So we're looking to bring somebody on board to do that side of, of the podcast for us. And, and yeah, as we said, we, we're looking to um, pay them for that as well. So yeah, get in touch with us if, if that's what you do. Maybe we get Coulton on board. That would be great. I had a bit of a mention of them earlier and, you know, some of the techniques required to use those products. <laughs> it would be fantastic. How would you do a Quilton ad? Do you have a shit? <laughs> then we've got the product for you. This isn't going real well, Andrew. <laughs> I, I would bet, I would look, I would do, I would take a, a leaf out of like the, um, you know, when you see the adverts on T. TV, where it's like, mm. you know, uh, what would you say? Like, um, like softness is all you're after when you're at the toilet, and Quilton provides softness in three plies. It's almost like you've done this before. I I haven't. Hey, see, like my be... my, my inspiration for advertising is the yeah. bloke who says, "Do you have hair?" Yeah. <laughs> Do you like coffee and do you have hair? He's so aggressive with it too. <laughs> he is. Are you I, going bald? Look at yourself. <laughs> you're bald. You need caffeine in your hair. The thing I like about that is it, it almost reminds me of something that James Hooper would say. Until it gets a bit where, where hair's mentioned, then he probably gets all sensitive and runs away. Yeah, he, he probably... Do you reckon he shaves his head? He must... Mm. Like, do you reckon he has to shave his head? Because he's like, and look, no, there's no, nothing no. about baldness. So do you reckon he just likes the look? No, I, I don't think it's either. I think what's happened is he's gone bored from all that time scratching his head, trying to come up with an idea of what to write about. 
You know, my dad went bald because he was a spray painter. Okay, I feel like there should be some sort of step okay. in so, the middle of that sentence to find, you know, how we get from one point to the next. So, okay. Was so, he drinking the paint? I don't know. No. How does that work? So this is this is what I've been told. We might get a doctor that will tell that will come on and be like, that is fucking ridiculous. But basically, uh, like my dad's side of the family, they've all got really nice heads of hair, and I'm lucky. I, I I'm the same, right? So, um, yeah, it really is. It's uh, thick and luscious. It's the sort of hair that, ladies, you'll know, like you'd like to run your fingers through when stuff happens. So anyway, <laughs> what? <laughs> when stuff happens. Yeah, you you know when things are happening, uh, they like to run their fingers through your hair, like you know the, the toast. The toast popped up. Yeah, when you're watching TV, you know. But yeah, well, like when the toast pops up and you're eating, and they they want to run their fingers through your hair as you're eating. Um. So yeah. Anyway, so <laughs> my dad and my dad had really long hair, which is something <laughs> I've had in my life too. I like I'm talking down past the shoulders. Um. And so uh, he he was a spray painter. And apparently when you're a spray painter, you can get to the point where the paint sort of kills your, your hair follicles in your head if you don't wear a hat. So that's why I see a lot of spray painters wearing a hat and, and headgear and stuff like that. Well, not headgear, but, you know, something on their head. And that happened to my dad. So my dad would have really long hair but he had like, he was bald on top of his head. Um, and yeah, so, cause I'm not a spray painter. I don't have that. I got so nice. Kind of like a, a modern day Hulk Hogan hairstyle. It, you know what? Exactly. Like it's Hulk Hogan's haircut. That's exact. And my dad was, uh, he could, he could grow a really good mo as well, which is something I can also do N- real nice porno tash. Uh, and you know, it was a fucking product of the seventies. So, it's that that classic seventies look, but yeah, imagine imagine Hulk Hogan's basically look. That's uh, that's the kind of look my dad had, except that with the it didn't go down. His moustache didn't go down the sides. It was just the tash. Proper one. Yeah, yeah. That's thick, and, thick and lustrous, but yeah. So, um, you know, the ladies know what I'm talking about when they run their fingers through your hair. There you go. We'll just leave that one there. I, d- I just need to have a nice little bit of silence around that. Let yeah. that sink in, ladies. Yeah, let that sink in, ladies. That, that's something we could probably put on there for, for a, a source of revenue for you. What? Eating? Well, ladies can come to the house. And you yeah. Can, yeah. You just got a little a little hole in the door. Yeah, keep going. And you just, you just put the, the top of your head through the hole, and they can just run their hand through your hair. Yeah, I and then like you charge, and then you charge them for it. Mm. They run their fingers through my hair. That sounds like a perfect way to end this episode. I agree. I agree. Yeah. It's it's been a good one, Andrew. I thought you did really well. Yeah, I just read tweets. I did really good. Yeah, yeah. Everyone you're really did... good. At, you're really good at hosting podcasts, eh? Yeah. Out of, out of out of all the hosts we've had this for this podcast, I'm close to one of the best ones we've ever had. <laughs> I'm fucking terrible at hosting this podcast. I feel like when I host it, nah, it's all good. 
As long as I get through not calling myself Andrew Ferguson when I do the intros, I'm like, I've achieved something today. (laughs) (laughs) That's always good. Yeah. All right, people. Well, thanks for tuning in. Um, Check us out on Instagram. Check us out on on Twitter, at FergoFreakPod at both. Check us out on Facebook. We're on on LinkedIn. We're on YouTube. Subscribe to us over there. Get onto your podcast thing there and give us a five-star review and say some nice words. We'll read it out. We'll say some lovely things about you. Put it up on our website. Um, Stay inside. Stay healthy. And keep on listening to us. We'll keep bringing out content. Don't you worry about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, like, yeah, stay... I just want to say, say, stay inside and be safe. Like, you know, we care about every single one of you. And and I know we joke and stuff like that. But, yeah, it's just uh, play it safe. Exactly. And we'll catch us all in about a few hours' time. We'll put out another episode. As we do. Gotcha.